0: Additional terms and conditions apply. When our kids are born, we have expectations as to how our family will interact. What we certainly aren't ready
1: for are the struggles we encounter with the people we love the most. We are here for the parent who feels like they've tried it all, for the parent who feels like they have to yell to be heard, for the parent who is tired of timeouts and kids fighting all day. We are here for you. We
0: believe when parents feel supported and heard,
1: they are able to come to parenting more centered.
0: We offer tools to navigate the messiness of life with kids.
1: We are Peace in Parenting. Hey guys, we're back for another episode of the Peace and Parenting podcast. I'm Gemma and I'm here with Michelle and today we have a special guest, my friend Amanda. We're going to talk about keeping our kids safe and it's a passion of Amanda, so she's going to help us out. Do you want to introduce yourself and just tell us how you got into this?
2: Absolutely. So for several years I was a kindergarten teacher and teaching these little tiny babies was just such a passion of mine and I realized this young age is such a vulnerable population. They just love adults. They love attention. They love direction. And I was in an interesting area where I taught school. We were a Title I school, and a lot of kiddos needed some additional outside support. And I saw some pretty terrible things happen um, as a teacher. So it was at that point that I thought, how can we keep these kids safe? How can I incorporate teaching them to stay safe within my lesson plans, within my day-to-day? So I have created a few little modules and workshops that I have been promoting to parents and students and teachers.
0: Amazing. So Amanda's going to tell us really important strategies on how to keep our kids safe against predators.
2: Yes. My approach has always been a prevention versus reaction type of approach. I want to front load parents, caregivers, and gatekeepers with as much information as possible. I It would just break my heart if somebody came to me and said, hey, Amanda, this happened to my child. So I would love to give as much prevention in this area as possible. And then the first topic that I push to children and parents constantly is this rule of um, no secrets.
0: I really like this rule because I think it gets confusing because a lot of us will be like, don't tell,
2: it's a secret,
0: you know, and it becomes this like what we think is a cute thing. But when you're that young and impressionable, it's hard to say, well, some secrets are good and some secrets are bad. And then it becomes very difficult to delineate like what are the good and bad secrets. So I love the idea of like no secrets.
2: Yes. So there are several studies that were done with predators. And it's I'm, I'm very thankful that these studies were done because they shared the ways that they uh, approached their children. And they said that almost all of them said that the first thing that they did was they asked their child to keep a secret. So the secret started mm-hmm. off with something small. I'm going to give you a cookie after dinner. You can't tell mom. You have to keep this secret. And then these secrets escalated and got bigger and deeper and darker to the point where the child had trust in this adult and felt that they had to keep this secret because then that person was saying, if you don't keep this secret, I will hurt mom. I will hurt dad. Something bad will happen. So these secrets just escalated and snowballed. And so what I always tell parents and children is, just simply say, oh, I don't keep secrets. I will tell. And, that. and when the predators were being interviewed by these reporters, they asked these predators and said, okay, so if a child said, I don't keep the secret, I won't keep the secret, what would you do? And they all said, oh, we would just move on to an easier target.
0: Oh my gosh. Yeah.
1: That's so insightful. Yeah. It's, well, it huge. Makes,
0: it's huge. It makes my heart
2: hurt.
1: I'm like a horrible offender of this because I'm always like, don't tell daddy, don't you tell daddy. Like I do it as a game, like funny. And so now I've noticed that they do that all the time. And until you pointed it out, Amanda, I had no idea. I thought secrets were like a fun, like bonding activity, you know?
2: Most parents do. And most parents do it in a completely harmless way. But we just want to make sure that we give our children those tools if they are in that situation, Mm -hmm. that they're not like, oh, it's like mom and dad, I'm keeping a little surprise."
0: And I like how you say it builds. They're so smart. They start with something that's so benign, like right. the cookie or whatever, and then it just progresses. And then the poor child has like hooked themselves into this person.
2: Exactly. I think it's important to talk about not in the same conversation saying that secrets aren't okay, but surprises are. We want to teach that surprises are okay, but not, uh, not at the same time. So if a child says, I can't keep secrets, but I can keep a surprise.
0: Yeah. Like if you're going to tell eventually.
2: Right. So like in that situation, we say, okay, mom, mom and I are, you know, at the grocery store shopping and it's brother's birthday. His birthday is coming up. We're going to buy brother a toy. This is going to be a surprise for him on his birthday. So that shifting that language is okay. But we don't want the child to go to a predator and say, oh, I don't keep secrets, but I can keep a surprise. So like we need to teach them together, but separate, if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. I like the delineation between secrets and surprises. That's really important, I think. Really good.
2: The next um, big topic that I like to address is public versus private parts. And this is for the little ones. The older kiddos, I could understand this a little bit better, but especially not four, three, four, five and up range, we want to make sure that we're giving children autonomy of their body. And we want to um, understand the difference between public body parts and private body parts. And so an easy way to do this is to give a child an outline of a person and mom or dad or caregivers can go over, okay, what's a public part that somebody could touch? Maybe a high five if you give permission or a hug or you know, a fist pump. Um, And then the child can label those public parts. um, Mm -hmm. And then private parts, you can do the same exercise with private parts on a different outline of a body.
1: This one's hard for me because I was trying to have this conversation with Caleb and then we hit a standstill because he was like, well, why? Why can't they touch me there? And I was like, uh, like I just froze. I was like, I don't know how deep to go with you here because I don't want to scare you to death, but I also need you to know like, no. So now he'll regurgitate like only mommy, daddy, doctor, and brother can see me naked. And I'm like he doesn't really know why. Right. But Maybe you okay? could ask him, why do
2: you
0: think?
1: Right.
2: Early on, you can always say it's to keep you safe until they can understand that later on you can ask those questions and he can say, "Okay, well, this is maybe why.
1: I also think using the anatomical names like penis, vagina to use the real name instead of a nickname so that it's very clear if somebody reports to you. Right. Like if your kid says somebody touched me here, it might be the wrong word.
2: Right. Absolutely. And then also we talk a lot about not for, this is a, a tricky one, but uh, we talk about not forcing a child to hug or kiss um, mm-hmm. unless they want to. And it's important that we explain that to family members.
0: That's um, a hard yeah. one because it's always yeah. like, give grandma a kiss. Totally. Uncle
2: so-and-so wants a hug. So my son's little, but I'll just use his name. So I would say, Brax, would you like to give grandma a hug? And then he has the choice. And then you can explain to grandma when they're little, they might say, no, nope, I'm not going to do that. Um, And we can explain to grandma, hey, we're just, we're teaching him about his own body and his, what he, that he's in control of it to keep him safe. Obviously you're a safe person, but we want to give that ability to him to make that decision until he gets a little bit older. And then he can say, yeah, I'll give her a hug.
0: Well, everyone needs to get in the habit of like, you need to ask somebody if they want physical contact with you or not, because it's not okay just to manhandle people. Right. And children.
2: Right. And they need to know that they have the decision on what their body does. And they can, know, and that adult can respect that.
1: I think it falls into our whole parenting approach too, because we give them that and we always give them choices. And like when the kids are tantruming, I say either you can move your body or mommy has to control your body. You know, like if they're hurting somebody else or Mm -hmm. I'll say like, is it okay if I pick you up? I need to remove you from here. You know, like we're always giving that choice. So it, yeah. it fits in with this whole thing anyway.
2: Absolutely. Right. And, and parents, who, you know, all the time parents are doing things to their children that the child might not like. Like my son, if I never had to wipe another nose of his, he would be a happy camper, right? Yeah. Like we're always wiping his nose, cleaning out his ears, changing diapers, brushing teeth. Like he doesn't like any of that stuff. So I think it's very important to explain the things that, this has to happen in order to keep you safe and healthy. And then just giving them that autonomy to to make their own decision. Because parents are constantly doing things to kids that they probably don't like or don't want. So they have to understand that distinction. Yeah. We talk a lot about gut feelings too. So as an adult, we understand what a gut feeling is. It's just an instinctual feeling that we have.
0: Mm -hmm. Um,
2: If you try to explain what a gut feeling is to a five-year-old, they'll be like, It's my tummy.
0: Yeah. (laughs) I'm hungry.
2: (laughs) So it's important to understand or to educate children on what a gut feeling is so that they can explain to mom or dad, like, I just had that yucky feeling
3: Mm -hmm. about this
2: situation. And so you have to teach that to them. And another easy way to do this is to have an outline of a body again and talk about where feelings come from. So if you're scared, where would you feel that in your body? Circle the area you would feel that you might feel that in your tummy, you might feel that in your hands, your hands are shaking. You can introduce a gut feeling that way by having the child visualize it on their diagram. And then when they have that gut feeling in real life, they can say, Hey, mom, my, my tummy wasn't feeling good, my hands are kind of shaking. It's just an easy way to transition that portion of it.
0: You'd think you'd say, like, if, if you ever felt that way to come to mommy and daddy, if you ever feel scared or you have a gut feeling that makes you feel uncomfortable.
2: Yeah, I think definitely with predators and then in general as well. I think yeah. gut feelings, especially in this topic, and I think that it would be really helpful if they were able to vocalize what they were feeling and why they were yeah. feeling that right way yeah. in the situation that they were in.
0: Amanda, do you have any statistics on predators that with that are important that you think like the top things we should know?
2: So the, um, child pornography, child pedophilia, and child trafficking, it a is $150 billion a year business. That's enough money to buy every single NBA team, every single Starbucks franchise, and still have enough money left over to send every child in America to college for four years.
0: You've got to be kidding me.
2: No, it's huge. It's so close to the drug industry. Unfortunately, um, drugs can be sold one time. A child can be sold many. So this, I believe in the next five years, will be higher than the drug industry. It's insane. So,
0: Amanda, <laughs> that makes me sick.
2: I know. It gives me chills every time that me I say too. It. Oh my gosh. And then the other the other big one is that there are two types of offenders out there. A lot of people are like, "Oh, let's talk about the stranger danger person." Mm-hmm. Uh that term was coined back in the 50s and that is more of like The stranger danger abduction offender, that's only less than 5% of the actual offenders out there. That's like that snatch and grab type of person lurking in the bushes. They are out there, but that's only 5% of the offenders. The other type of offender are the preferential offenders, and that makes up 95% of the offenders out there. And they have a target age and gender for a child. So they are very specific to what they are looking for.
0: That's all it means. They're looking for
1: a certain type of child.
2: Yep. They prefer a child as a sexual partner and they're age and gender
1: specific. So it doesn't necessarily mean that it's somebody that they already know.
2: It usually almost always is somebody that they know. 5% of the predators are that snatch and grab. So
0: 95% of these people are someone you know? Uh-huh. Between 90
2: to 95%. It's somebody that you know, and then 85% of those offenders are uh, males that are married with children.
1: Mm -hmm. It's terrifying. This is so scary. Kind of leads into your point about grooming, right? The predators groom the parents.
2: Absolutely. So predators' main goal is to get to the gatekeeper. So if you think of your family and you think of the fence around your family, we call that like our proverbial fence, right? So the groomers are trying to get through that gate, through that fence to get to the child. So in order to do that, they have to break down that fence. Well, that fence is made up of parents, guardians. Um, We call those the gatekeepers. The predators want to break down the gatekeepers to get ultimately to the children. And the best way that they do this, the best way that you can fool somebody is to offer them help. So Mm -hmm. these predators will be offering, oh, can I mow your lawn? Can I take out your trash? Do you need help with this? Do you need help with that? And I don't want, I always say, I don't want you to think of your, if your neighbor is a friendly person, don't automatically think that they're a predator, but that's how, that's what they do. Would you like to play with the dog for a little bit? Um, we're going on a walk. When I come back, let's chit chat for a little bit. So they're trying so hard to get through that fence in order to break down the gatekeepers.
0: Oh my gosh, Amanda, this makes me uncomfortable.
1: Very it's uncomfortable. scary, but it's that's why I'm like, we have to put this out there. People need to know because you would never think that that would be I, mean, I wouldn't
0: This is not what I would think when I think of grooming.
2: They groom the child, absolutely, but in order to do that, they have to get to the parents because that predator needs the parents to understand that they are a safe, trustworthy, responsible adult. Mm-hmm. But once they believe that, then. That child can maybe go over for a couple hours, go play with the dog, go play in the backyard. Oh, neighbor got a new cool toy, or the person down the street got a new cool toy. I'd like to go play with that. Well, I I know that that person now is safe, trustworthy, and responsible because they've been grooming me. I want to plant these seeds. I don't want you to live your life in fear. That is not my intention. But in order to get this information out, plant these seeds now early on. Prevention is so much better than reaction. Well,
0: you're just more aware when you know this stuff, and you know what a big, huge industry it is, and you know that. 95% of the people are somebody you know that changes the entire scenario the whole game like everything is so I'm always worried like someone's going to pull up in a white van and grab my kids off
2: the street (laughs) you know that's
0: my thing and and I'm like you know the likelihood of that happening to my kids maybe not so so much but this stuff this can happen
1: and it happens all the time because a lot of kids that are like trafficked and sold are sold by their own parents right or it happens through your own home. It's not like they're out in the world and get taken.
2: Yeah. And with that, it doesn't have to just be the physical child being trafficked and sold. Yes, that happens. And that is horrendous. And it happens often. But child pornography is huge. So you are selling your child's picture, your child's video multiple times. And that child under 18 has not been able
1: to consent to that. Pornography part of it. I have this book I'll show you guys and then I'll link it. It's called Good Pictures and Bad Pictures. And I haven't read it to the kids yet because I've been nervous, but it's really good at explaining to kids because pornography is a way to desensitize children to this happening. And so it tells them like if there's any pictures ever taken of your private parts, come to me. Run away from the person doing it. Tell me right away. You'll never be in trouble if you tell me. Well, what about
0: the internet, too, that our kids are on?
1: It's, and yeah. if,
0: what if they're with a friend whose iPad isn't restricted? Or, I mean, Esme's old enough now, but I'm sure she could get on some sort of site. And, you know, how do they process that? What does that do?
2: And I think it's important to front load the children with this information now so that when they are at a friend's house, because at home, obviously, we have, you know, great strategies that when, like you said, when you go to a friend's house, that door opens up huge. And now... Yeah. They need to have those tools that mom or dad or a caregiver taught them so that they can tell that person, hey, this isn't okay.
1: Yeah. Mm -hmm. I um, read somewhere about, I don't know if that was from you, Amanda, but about having a family code word. So if your child was at a sleepover and they call home or you call to check on him and they just say the word or like fit it in somehow, you know, like I'm coming to get you We have that. We have that for
0: everything. Yeah. Because it's like, it can be all kinds of different situations your kids want to get out of.
2: Mm -hmm. right somebody had reached out to me and said that they said if they were ever in an uncomfortable situation they could call mom and say a random name of a family member that doesn't exist like uncle mike i forgot to tell you uncle mike called and he wanted me to have you call him back and so that was like it for an older kid i thought that was a great yeah
0: yeah i think they're all good all the safe words are good my kids have used it too and you know what's so great about now the older kids and stuff they can just text you because my kids will text me and be like, the mom's going to ask if we can have a sleepover, but I don't want to do it. Can you make <laughs> up an excuse? And I'm like, okay. You know, like, that's great. But I mean, I think it's good, you know, that you have the open lines of communication and that it's the child's will that's propelling your life in general, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of the parent's will, because I think we've grown up and... We've all grown up in a society where parents were ultimately the dictators, and that you did what they said. So, if I said you're going to so and so's house to hang out for a few hours, you would just do it without question.
1: I also, since the boys have been little, I've forced, not forced them, we've made it a game, but they have known my phone number since they could talk. Like they can regurgitate my phone number. They know my full name. They know what street we live on. So, if they're ever somewhere where they're lost, I tell them stay exactly where you are, look for a mom with kids, don't ever go up to like a person that's alone and then they know my phone number if they need to call me. But you know, I've recently
0: been reading where there's a lot of women involved in this work and yeah. they um, become the front person for the, maybe the back end of what else other's going on. And I, Pia said that because I told her about the woman in the bathroom in California. I don't know if you heard about how she was being recorded, FaceTimed and the woman said, oh, do you like her? And I heard her and she ran out and got her boyfriend and whatever, and she was safe. But then she put it out on the internet and all these people kept saying like, oh yeah, this happened to me. This happened to me. So the girls and I sat down and I said, listen, this is happening because my kids are old enough. You know, This is happening. I want you to read this. I want you to understand it. And she goes, well, I would just find a mom. And I was like, be very careful. Could be a mom that's helping them. So it's so hard now to tell them where to go.
1: It's scary. It's a lot of information. Yeah. So we'll make a link or we'll link yeah. a bunch of stuff. Somehow we'll get all of it written down and then I'll link um, to Amanda's Instagram. And do you have a website?
2: We're working on it. What's <laughs> your
1: Instagram?
2: It is find the light podcast. So find it, the light. Yep. Yeah. So
1: Amanda's so going to have a whole season on this type of stuff, right? Keeping our kids safe. So if you want more info, we can link that in the later episode Hi. when she's all set up.
0: I want more info and maybe I was hoping that maybe we could do a couple of posts on our Instagram too, right before we air this. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I I wanted to tie
2: three of your guys' episodes into this topic though, because I think that episode 42, when you guys talk about lying, if you build that foundation with your child so that your child is able to tell you the truth at all times, they're not going to be scared. Like you guys had mentioned like, oh, I'm going to be in double trouble now if I have to tell my mom what happened. And now in trouble for line. I know it's different topics, but this all ties together. So you guys' topic online is so perfect for this. And then the body image, episode 39, I thought was incredible too, because children are going to be exposed to things on the media and they are going to start discovering like, what do I want to do with my body? And so I think that's very important that you, what you guys had talked about in that. And then the last one, the uh, episode 38 on limits, when you talk about crouching down and addressing them face to face and- Letting them explore their limits—it all ties together. So, yeah,
0: I think it's true, and I think it's the the whole idea is that our kids are not scared to tell us anything.
2: That's amazing.
0: That is what we need, and so yeah. I do believe this parenting methodology promotes that—that that they're not scared to tell us anything that happens even if it's hard
2: we need more parents like you I know well we've We're got
0: we got a lot of people out there who are doing such amazing jobs with their kids and such amazing work and I'm just I'm so grateful because I have a few friends who are very skeptical and they're like don't you get a lot of pushback don't people say this don't be and I'm like not really I have like there's incredible supportive people who are just trying to do better and I think we all are and Amanda thank you so much I am so appreciative of this information I think it's been so eye-opening for me. And I'm hopeful that so many other people will get a lot out of it.
1: Thank you for having me, Gemma and Michelle. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being with us, Amanda. We'll be back next week.
3: You know how to book flights and hotels.